We're back, the Whiskey Hue, a podcast from three brown startup enthusiasts that pull back the curtain on business, culture, and side pieces. <laughs> Not that type. We're talking emerging media, e-games, cannabis, Uh-oh. all those things around the hustle without the bullshit, and most importantly, over whiskey. I'm already scared looking at Julia right now, but anyway. <laughs> we're, like, we're already talking about side pieces. We haven't even gotten started. <laughs> America calls Clyde Black, Athul Brown, and Anthony somewhere in the confusing middle. Episode With three brothers. We still got to grow. <laughs> Various shades of brown bring you the latest in tech, business, and startups mixed with a ton of sarcasm. Cue the music. Boom. I didn't have anything. Chicka, 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 chicka. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have anything. I, I was thinking about the classic corner, but I had classical, classical, classical So we're here. We're we're here for the whiskey hue. It's good to see you. You uh, see see the whiskey hue team today. We have a special guest. Uh, we're gonna get right to it. We have Julia Pimsler. Um, she's Ooh. she's decided to grace her grace us with her presence. Um, class up to join a little bit, uh, share some of our jewels and um, and gems, and uh, and get right to it. So what I want to do is I want to give a a chance to uh, introduce our wonderful guest, Julia Pimsler. Julia, great to have you on the pod with all of us. It's uh, you're just a wonderful person, so I appreciate celebrating you uh, in any way we can. Let's share the story. Uh, entrepreneur extraordinaire. We met initially at the United Nations, right during a Nexus event or one of Wendy's. Uh, women entrepreneurship day events. One of those events is one of those. Cause that's what I usually go to you there for. And you happen to be speaking about your book, million dollar women and the great movement around it. I've read it. Fantastic book. Uh, everyone check it out. And then we ran into each other again, 2019 when we were both speaking at an event in December, I think T- Thomas and Anish, right? At my Chicago guys. This is 2019, which is the last time we could actually see each other in person, any of us, right? It seems like. And then we, everything else was virtual since then. But the book, right? Uh, Million Dollar Women, it teaches so some of the highlights from it. And I remember reading it, and I've, I've mentioned to you several years ago now, a couple, I think two, three years ago. So powerful and prepared, not pretty and perfect, how people should show up. Um, identify your allies, foes, frenemies. I love it. Intentional networking, very important. How to delegate your way to the top. Great, great read, chock full of gems. There are some other things coming out that we'll discuss throughout the podcast. 2020, and I want to give you another shout out for another thing. 2020, I was on a mission to just share my story of investing and helping people understand finance and investing. The game around it, leverage their strengths to maximize results. And we did your IG show, your Instagram show in August, and I absolutely loved it. Uh, for a guy, as you know, Clyde and Anthony often joke, and I admittedly, uh, I am social media challenged, um, yeah. but I loved it. The Instagram, it was a cool thing. I actually put it on my website just recently, and it, I, I found it exciting. And I think oh, us three, it. we used to be great. It was, you it was a, great. You have a website? so i think we're going to be doing something like that uh soon um so just to highlight for the podcast then i want you to get deeper into your story and then we'll kick off the pod to highlight on the podcast million dollar women it's an ecosystem it's a social venture it's helped thousands of women scale up and is focused on revenue growth not just fundraising which 96 percent of women entrepreneurs don't do uh, Julia, you have another book coming out, Go Big Now, Eight Essential Mindset Practices to Overcome Any Obstacle and Reach Your Goal, written for men and women. And I'm going to kick it to you, and then we're going to delve deep into a lot of things. You have 
quite a few awesome things going on, right? And then we'll get into key stats and what else, how we can, how males can be allies to your movement. Well, hey, Thule, I got to throw it right back to you because after you were on CEO check-in, a number of women said, hey, I want to talk to that guy. I'm trying to raise money. Can you help, you know, put us in touch? And you got on calls with women in our community and kind of listened to their pitches and kicked the tires on their deck. And that is one of the best things you can do for women entrepreneurs is kind of be that first sounding board. Because we sometimes take for granted that you know who to call, right? When you've got that big idea to raise money, a lot of people don't know who to call. And that's one of the things that we're doing is, you know, connecting great people like yourselves with women who have big ideas, big ambition, but maybe not the Rolodex, right? So thanks again for all you've done for us. Yeah. The, the, the people I spoke to, some of them were just fantastic, fantastic ideas. One came on hot with a, a Jordan background. She knew exactly how to appease to me. She was great. I remember <laughs> she was her. <laughs> she was great. <laughs> all right. Um, and then some key uh, million dollar women's stats. You have a master class. There's the book. There's a lot. There's a fund around it. Um, uh, so there's profit, for-profit arms to it. We'll discuss those. But let's talk about the masterclass, some of the graduates of the program, right? So 50% of the graduates have doubled their revenues. Yeah, Fantastic. 15% of the grads have made it to the 1 million in revenues. Beats the national average. And, you know, and so 97% have reported higher confidence level. You're on a mission to get, let's get a million women in America or across the globe. You, you, you clarify to a million in revenues. U.S., right? Okay. Let's delve deep into it. Give us give us how this whole thing works. So, you know, I, I always like to say this to folks. Um, if we're going down a six-story elevator, tell us what you do and your response as to how someone gets involved and how, they're, how they know they're qualified to be a part of your journey. Yeah. I mean, there's so many women who are starting businesses. Over the last two decades, women have started twice as many businesses as men. We own 13 million businesses in the U.S., almost 50% of businesses women owned, but we're not scaling as fast as men are, partly because of lack of access to capital, lack of access to role models, and lack of business training. So I was able to raise venture capital and get my business up into the multi-millions starting from a $30,000 investment. I didn't go to business school. I didn't have a finance background. I was on scholarship my whole life. Like I was not your most likely to raise venture capital and run a multi-million dollar company. Wow. So when I got through that eye of the needle, I was like, where'd all the women go? Suddenly all the events I went to, it was all dudes. And I love you guys, but my sisters were gone. So that was my wake up call. I did some research, found out that fewer than 3% of women get to a million, fewer than 1% women of color. And that just shouldn't be at this stage in the game. So I set out with a lot of help from advisors, board members, volunteers, mentors. It's a big community behind me to help get 1 million women to 1 million in revenues. And we've been on that journey close to five years. We're celebrating our five-year anniversary starting tomorrow. So this is really special. Congratulations. 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 Right. That's huge. Thank you. Hey, that's that's amazing. Sorry, that's amazing, Julia. Amazing. Amazing. And we're going to dive deeper into that background. But before we go down that path, we are the Whiskey Hue, right? So we talk about business, tech, and culture, but most importantly, over whiskey and sometimes other drinks. So today, we're going to be introducing our drink, a drink of the episode. 
And because you're our special guest, we're going to let you take the lead. This is your pick. We're very excited for this introduction. So go ahead. Tell us about your. I'm I'm going to go here for a minute because I know that we all care about like diversity and inclusion. Right. And one of the (laughs) things that has to happen when you invite in the other, is you got to adapt your culture. <laughs> okay, so I'm changing up the culture. We're not doing whiskey, we're doing gin and tonic. And Athul and I bonded over our favorite gin, which happens to be Hendrix. Not, um. not the crazy, like, special summer edition in the purple bottle. No, it's straight purple. up black bottle in the freezer at all times. Hendrix um. gin. So I've got Hendrix gin and fiber tree tonic and the right amount of lime in my Serena Williams limited edition. Million Dollar Women's Summit virtual tumbler, which the nice. community, everybody has one. Wow. <laughs> and I want to drink to you guys and all the entrepreneurs you're helping make their way through this podcast and all your investments. Absolutely. Love it. Cheers. Love it. Clyde, what's going on there? Clyde, <laughs> <laughs> for, those, for those listening, Clyde just uh, showed us his apartment. I mean, his home. He's, he's vacuuming right now. I was apparently. trying to grab my drink. Ground. I was trying to grab my drink. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're going to – and then – uh, Clyde, where, where are we at next? Clyde, you could tell, Julie, you could tell Clyde's usually the one that runs the show because he's the most organized. So, so, Clyde, where are we so, at? So, thanks for that introduction, Julia. And, you know, we're going to cheers, take a sip now. And throughout the episode, what we're going to do is we're going to drink our, our Hendrix. Uh, some will have on the rocks, some will have it, you know, prepared uh, different formats. Uh, then we're going to share our thoughts around our experience drinking Hendrix throughout the episode. So we're gonna we're gonna highlight uh, what's going on before we dive into the episode. Typically, what we'd like to do is see what's going on, see if you have any kind of insights you want to share. Um, you know, Anthony always dives in and talk about his uh, Formula One racing or how he likes to go kayaking <laughs> or mountain climbing. While you know, Thule and I, we're just trying to keep up with our with our kids. So, uh, <laughs> so we'll let you guys kick it off. What's what's been going on, team? Anyone have anything? But uh, I, I don't. I have nothing. You know, this past week I didn't do anything special. You know, okay. I, you know, I, hey, but you're still special to us, man. All right. You know, I, so. I, I, it's just working out. It's working out. Work. TV. All right. All right. All news, right. Making sure the country's not falling apart every other two seconds. But you know, we're still was, here. We're still I was, here. I was say, that's that small insurrection uh, impeachment thing going on. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I was just watching that video of like the National Guard, like taking you know, all lying down, taking naps in the Capitol, like yes. just waiting for it to go down. That was a weird oh, wow. freaking image, right? Yeah. I don't know what, I was, yeah. what was more disturbing that they're all there or that they're asleep? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to say anything to the fine women and gentlemen in the in the uniform. Uh, <laughs> hey, they're just following uh, orders. Someone was like, you know what, take a nap. Inauguration day is not for three days. Yeah, <laughs> Julie, have anything? Yeah. Or I got I got a couple things. If Julie, you got oh. a couple things. You got anything? Oh. Uh, uh, All I'm going to say with the whiskey here, right? I'm just going to say we, we remain committed, right? Sticks and stones may break my bones. But labels and never define me. Dry January? Hell no. We continue to fight the good fight. We skipped to wet February. Um, I'm going to keep drinking. We're drinking. All four of us are drinking, drinking right here, juggling schedules with two kids in mind. Uh, you know, so we drink our way through the pain. Um, second thing, Julie, you have two boys. Clyde has three boys. I have two boys. So I feel like I can share this and we can, among us, 
Anthony, you probably have kids. We pay for ours. You, you, you doing your thing. <laughs> <laughs> you ask people, put your hands up. I don't know. <laughs> so I feel like I can share this, right? So I do well with vegetables, proteins, but fruits. Um, I only gravitate towards oranges and bananas. So my New York, re- New York, New Year's resolution was to eat more fruits this year. But I learned something. Apparently, I'm not doing it right because over two days, I ate six pieces of my wife's homemade apple pie. And now I, <laughs> I, I literally have childbearing hips. Um, dreams of skinny jeans are gone. That's all. I'm, I'm doing it wrong. That's I'm going to have to you to Rudy. I have a, a trainer who I see every Wednesday morning. Rudy, he will kick you into shape. Shout out Hello. to Rudy. Rudy. <laughs> I, I worked out with a trainer. You know, I jacked up my back way back in the day, just sports wise. Right. And he got me right. So I worked with him for a couple of years and I got awesome. He got me right. It's, it's I great. love that. Yeah. It's great working yeah. with the trainer. And, and I don't know about you, but every time I go see him, it's always like, wait, there's a business lesson in this. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. It's always like making you do stuff you don't want to do and, you know, giving you all kinds of like inspirational stretch yourself. You know, pep talks all and stuff. Stretch yourself. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I need to rewind for a second. Hold on. Um, there's such a thing called uh, dry January. I've never heard of that. Oh, my God. That's because you drink too damn much, man. So there's a thing. So they say after the holidays, you know, people used to clean up, you know, New Year's resolution. Then they dry January. Don't drink anything. I had a cousin who did this once. He came to visit me from overseas. And I'm like, why are you even here, man? What are you supposed to do? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, be like, it's not like we're impulsive drinkers, but we'll have a drink or two. Right. But uh, yeah. So, so the marketer in me wants to highlight wants to highlight that because of, of late. I've seen brands uh, really diving into the dry January uh, experience. So if you've seen any ads, I think during the national championship, Heineken did an ad all around dry January and then non-alcoholic beer. So uh, brands are really yeah. starting to dive into it and um, join the experience. So it sounds like it watch out for that. It sounded like it was created by Heineken and they say, oh, let's do dry January. So we're <laughs> and, zero, zero alcohol. Beer. Right. So, <laughs> so, uh, well, there's a way, but no, so, so thanks for sharing. Uh, so it's been, you know, a good week. Looking forward to, to next week kicking off. Uh, by this time, a week from now, by the time this episode probably comes out, we'll have a new president in office. Uh, so, you know, we'll cheers and toast to that. Um, but until then, what we want to do is we want to kick off this episode with, with Julia. Uh, so Julia, um, you have an amazing background. Uh, you know, some of the things really stood out to me was your, you know, you've launched a business, you've, you positioned that to launch, um, an experience that's all about training and ecosystem, um, you know, taking one experience and, and turn it into multiple, uh, as I like, as I told the, the guys earlier, multiple revenue streams, right. Uh, for one experience. So tell us a little bit about your journey from little pimp, um, and then, pivoting into the million dollar uh, women ecosystem. Yeah, you know, I started out in filmmaking. I was a documentary filmmaker. So I went to film undergrad, I went to film graduate school, then I was making documentaries for a while. And then when I had my first child, I wanted him to learn French. And there was nothing on the market to teach little kids a second language. So I created this language teaching program from scratch, but I was kind of an accidental entrepreneur. You know, I didn't have that business background. I didn't have a finance background, but I loved helping parents be their kids' first language teachers. So that was how I created Little Pim, which is P-I-M for my last name, Pimsler, right? We created a little character, a multimedia program, got venture capital, and built that into a multimillion dollar business. But here's the thing. Usually, women don't have access to venture capital and aren't able to get that kind of money and go big like that. 
And I thought I was kind of an exception, but then it turned out, no, there's millions of women across America like me who saw some problem and wanted to fix it, right? I just wanted my kid to learn French because I grew up bilingual and that helped me get scholarships. I lived and worked in France for seven years. I was like, that was a game changer for me. Of course I wanted to learn French. And I have women in my community who, you know, every time they drop their kids pacifier on the floor, they got to wipe it off on their jeans, right? They're like, hey, I'm going to create a pacifier sanitizer, right? And that becomes a multi-million dollar business. Or somebody who wants to, you know, just fix the way uh, people get access to health care or something. So this is what a lot of women-run companies are, is I want to fix something, but they didn't necessarily get the business training. And that's where we come in. Because you can get pretty far on hustle, right? Like you can get to 500,000 in revenues, maybe even further. But once mm-hmm. you're getting up to that million, two million, five million, you got to have your money making machine figured out. And that's where we come in to help women make that shift. No, that's amazing. And, and thanks for sharing that. And then, you know, when you, when you think about that and your, your pivot to all the different avenues and, and brand extensions, how, what, what made you say, you know what, I want to do a master class. I want to have an event series. I want to have a nonprofit side. Talk to us about uh, your pivot into uh, positioning the brand so, to extend so, so much more. Well, we started out with just the one class, Million Dollar Women Masterclass, which in the beginning was six women. I ran it with Gmail, Dropbox, paper clips, and bubble gum. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how we pulled that thing together. But the women loved it. I loved it. It wasn't even making me money. I was like working, doing fundraising. I had just gotten divorced. I had just left Little Pim. My entire life was like a reinvention. I mean, I've had four careers. So that was like my fourth shift. And I just loved the response I got from the women. They raised capital, they grew their businesses, and the things I was teaching them seemed pretty elemental to me because I had gone through this business program where I'd learned to fill in all my gaps. It was something the Entrepreneurs Organization ran called EO Accelerator. So I had a blast teaching them. And then we grew that into something that's now graduated 300 women over time. But in listening to my customers, which is what we all do as business people, right? They needed other things. So we started building out a summit. In fact, the first summit, we're now going to have our fifth summit this year. We can't wait. It was just a bunch of women saying to me like, yeah, we love these online courses, Julia, but when are we going to meet in person? Mm. And I was like, I don't want to do that. That sounds like a lot of work. No, amazing. I can imagine that there's so much value in the, the networking piece. And, you know, a part of the networking piece is just understanding who the audience is. Can you tell us about some of the success stories you've had um, with people, who, with, with your 300 um, participants who've come through oh, your yeah. summit? Oh, training? Give, give us some highlights. I think- the summit, you know, we held that first summit and I didn't even really want to have it, but the women wanted it. So I think that's a great business lesson, right, for all entrepreneurs is if your customers are asking for something, you find a way to give it to them. And you were saying, how'd you wind up with all these revenue streams? It was just listening to our customers. Like Mm -hmm. I kept teaching sales over and over again. So I created a sales program so that they could easily get access to that. The summit is now going to be 500 women at our five-year anniversary because women want to take part in that from all over the country. We're super excited. But wait, what was the other question? Uh, I was just going to say, uh, tell us about some of the top names that's come through your oh, course yeah. and some of, some of those who experienced it. 
Yeah. So some of our grads have multi-million dollar cosmetic companies, fashion companies. I'm thinking of a couple right now. So uh, Natalie Mackey was in one of my very first fundraising workshops before I even launched Million Dollar Women. And she went on to raise $12 million. She has a highly successful cosmetic company called Winky Lux. They've got retail store in Soho. They're sold all over the country. So she's been an amazing runaway success story. Then uh, Erin Carpenter, who used to be a dancer. She's black and she told me she'd have to dye her tights in the sink to match her skin because whenever she went to buy like nude tights, they were like white girl nude. So she was dyeing her tights and she found that all the other dancers were dyeing their tights too. And she decided to create a company with undergarments, tights, lingerie, etc. in 12 shades for every woman of color. And it's called Nude Bar. When she came to us, it was just getting off the ground. She was trying to figure out all the pieces. Now she just got investment from Serena Williams and Bumble's venture fund. We're so excited for her. And the company has just taken off like wildfire. So that's just a couple of examples of of many. Amazing. Love it. Well, so for for me, so as as a fool clearly doesn't know what I do, uh, what my focus uh, <laughs> business development and sales. So I know I know the sales process, and I know you know you got to create sales strategy, understanding your customer, etc. Right? What do you and and when it comes down to in person selling or or creating or or whether Zoom selling is I like to say it now. Um, where do you see the the gap in this whole in the sales process for you know? And I'm just being excuse me if I'm saying this incorrectly. Just for women, like where do you see the gap in a sales process and generating revenue for women that's different um, that men don't experience that from your experience? Yeah, I mean, look, 85% of what I teach in my programs about scaling up would work for men or women. But it's that 15% that's different that addresses the socialization that we get it as women around money, around business, around what it means to go big. And fear of sales is a huge part of that. I still think women are being socialized to think that selling is pushy or sleazy or somehow even unfeminine. And so when I teach sales, we start with how do you shift your mindset so that you don't think about selling as, you know, trying to get something from someone. It's about serving your customer. And I've done a lot of sales training. I've been through, you know, Sandler and Russ Rafino's class and Jack Daly and EO had sales training. And so I kind of took the best of all those and distilled them down into the method I teach, which is called the sales cure. And it's the cure to having this fear of sales, which all starts with shifting your mindset. I don't know what you think of that, Anthony, since you do a lot in sales. Don't you think it all starts with mindset? It's 100% mindset because I think there's so many different forms of selling, right? And when it comes down to it, you know, there's, you know, like you said, the stereotype of, it could be shady or, or or a little sketchy how some, you know, the stereotypical salesperson or there's just the relationship to building side of it. And I think so many people have such strong ability to develop relationships and take that is really your sales process. That's your sales process in my mind. Just develop the relationship and tell them about what you have to offer. And but I, I recognize that, you know, you get scared, you know. Men do too, right? It doesn't make a difference of your gender. Of mm-hmm. getting scared to sell your product of what you have to offer or selling yourself, 
100 percent. And most people don't learn a sales method. I think that's the big mistake is that people think, well, I'm passionate. I love my business. I'll be great at selling. And that will get you so far. But first of all, when you want to start hiring salespeople and training teams, you've got to have a method in place. Yeah. You know, I always remind my women, you can't take the sale out of scale. Right. You want to scale your business. You better learn how to sell. You better have a method a strategy and something you can teach other people how to do. Otherwise, you're always going to be the one doing all the sales and that's likely not scalable. Yeah, good point, good point. Yeah, good point. but you know, I, I love the method that we developed because it helps women specifically, I think men too, but a lot of women have told me it helps them really love sales, which is almost considered a paradox at this point. Most yeah. women start out like, oh, that's the part I hate. I have to get it over with in order to then do the part I love. So in our method, which is this CURE method, that's an acronym, it stands for Connect, Uncover, Recognize, Explain. And it's this four-step process you go through on every single sales call. It works for B2C, it works for B2B, and it's all about finding out what the pain point is of the customer and helping them solve it. So you're not pushing something on it. You're not on them. You're not convincing them to do something, right? You're not pulling them through the door and selling them a bill of goods. It's really about serving them and helping them with their needs. And that I found women can get their arms around and then feel really good about selling. And one woman just emailed me yesterday. She's like, I closed that $25,000 deal. It was going to be a $10,000 deal, but I used the sales cure and it was a $25,000 deal. I love getting those emails. You know, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Because I, I love, I love the, the, the acronym cure. Like that's, that's, yeah. That's really what sales really is. And that's what it is in today's world too, right? Like you connect to your customer and and, and uncover their problems. Yeah. Like you have to, you have to, right? Because it's no, it is, this isn't Glengarry Ross and always be close. Coffees for closers. (laughs) Like, no, it doesn't work like that. But, you know, there are, there are unique sides of it. And, and unfortunately, like, you know, we have to get rid of that stereotype with sales, right? And from from that side of it, one of the biggest things that have come up to me, you know, you know, knowing the space, and you know, I've been around where I'm the only, you know, black man, you know, black Spanish as and the fool, and these guys like to say I'm confused my <laughs> background, but you, I'm the only one in the room. But it, I also recognize that it's also different for black women or brown brown women to be the only ones as well, even smaller. Uh, group of people in the room, and I'm trying to figure out from your from your classes and your in your seminars and your events. Excuse me, what have you see, do you, have you seen the different kind of pain points that they've experienced, or or is roughly mm-hmm. it's, it's even even kill? You know, our community is 25 to 30 percent women of color, so we don't have any different kind of programs. You know, for different communities within our million dollar women world, but I have seen that sometimes the socialization for people who grew up in homes where they didn't talk about money much, or even maybe there were things said like, oh yeah, that, you know, you know, Uncle Bob, he made all that money and he's such a jerk. There was like this association of people who made money and who were not good people. Um, Look, I'm I'm Jewish, so what do I know about Christians and what they're taught in Sunday school? But I have noticed that some of my dear friends who are Christians – you know, shared with me that it was like, yeah, you're not supposed to talk about money. And like money can even be seen as something like dirty, right? In which case, that's not a great place to start from (laughs) when you're selling. And you've got to be really comfortable saying, hey, this is worth $30,000. And here's why, 
right? That can be a little harder to do if you've come from a background where people weren't talking about money around the dinner table or celebrating people in your family who made money. And that's, I don't think, a black or brown thing. I think that that could be anyone's family environment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what do you think? Do you think there's a difference? Well, so, you know, you guys could jump in, you know, also. But, you know, I know for a fact that I, I grew up not talking about money. Right. We didn't. You know, it was it was it was uh, it was paying bills and getting that done and then thinking differently in this process had to come over time of meeting new people and putting myself in different circles to kind of learn how one, how do you make money <laughs> and two, yeah. and two, how you grow your revenue and your, in your, you know, I guess your net worth itself. So it took time to kind of learn by meeting new people. I didn't come up in that environment. Um, but with that being said, when you, when I went into certain rooms, it took time to get that confidence to be able to feel like I belonged there. Um, mm. and, and to, to, to be comfortable enough to say, Hey, I have something that you want. <laughs> And let me and, and let's, let's let's talk. And let's talk about it. Yeah, and, and it wasn't it wasn't anything about you know pitching, standing up in front of a screen and pitching a PowerPoint. It was is really understanding that hey, I have a different way of selling. I'm going to sell to where I feel most comfortable and try to figure out what what you need, and, and then sell to that and, and pitch to that. Well, and what you're talking about speaks to the importance of getting business training, because I think part of the fear for a lot of people for sales or pitching is not knowing the vocabulary, mm. right? I mean, in Million Dollar Women, I devoted an entire chapter to just the vocabulary you need to go out and pitch, because if you're sitting down with investors and they're asking you, all right, well, are there discounts or warrants, right? And, and what's your bid going to be in you know 2022? And you can't have that conversation you know, you're out, yep. right? So I think that's where we can really help anyone who's not been part of the traditional entrepreneurial ecosystem, black, brown, women, disabled, you know, ageism. There's so many people who've not been, you know, the traditional entrepreneurs who get funded and, and advanced in entrepreneurship. I think one of the first steps is learning the vocabulary. And then the next step is being part of a community of other high growth entrepreneurs who you can run with. I think that's yeah. a big it. We're a national program. We have women from South Dakota. We've got women from Washington State. We've got women from Arkansas. And I always ask them, like, well, have you ever met a woman who runs a multi-million dollar business? Never. Never met a woman who runs a multi-million dollar business. Like, oh, well, what's the entrepreneurial ecosystem like where you are? Oh, I don't know any other entrepreneurs. Wow. Yeah. And that's amazing. I mean, the digital divide is something that's uh, very pre prevalent, but you know, now with the introduction of the internet and access, uh, uh, being so, uh, yeah, so it's gave us a little push, unfortunately, you know, fortunately yeah. or unfortunately, a lot more has gone online, right? Yeah, a lot of this is going online, and uh, some of the areas where we've seen uh, some of those barriers being broke down, but uh, I just wanted to highlight that one. Yeah, that <laughs> I love how your program puts women and it could be it out into other portions of society how it just puts people on a pathway a trajectory towards success building wealth whether it's for this generation multi-generational that's to be seen uh, you know if it's if they can develop something phenomenal that'd be great right so wealth is created by ownership of business which is exactly what all of us for on this podcast profess to which your program does only 20 women 20 women-led startups in the entirety of almost America, 1817, since 1817, have gone public with women CEOs. Only 20. 
Yeah, I saw that. Thousands and thousands and thousands, right? This is a Business Insider article, right? Uh, 17 of those were just since 2013, which means only from in up until 1970, none from 1970s to the mid 2000s were the other three, right? So you've just we've we had called about this last week, uh, Julia, like the venture community, the money that's pouring in because people don't look like if you don't look like the people who are providing the money, you may not have access to it, right? So you have to get into those circles, which takes time. We've talked that there's a there's a race thing, there's a color thing, there's a journey the language thing, like we were just saying, the entirety of it, right? So getting into those circles, I I like that. The one thing that's working in the female portion of the society's favors, and, and this is a big thing that's coming, right? By 2030. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a nerd about history and economists. I study that to see if I can project trends and then put it, I apply it to what I'm doing in business or the market, whatever. By 2030, women will hold more than half of the world's wealth for the first time ever, right? And there, so now they're going on historical data points saying this might determine if people are looking to throw businesses out there, new ones starting or other pivots within their businesses, likely to increase spending in education, healthcare, insurance, more legit foundational based businesses uh, due to this influx of investment. Um, aging population and low birth rate means the pool of qualified workers will shrink. So this is these are good things, meaning the tide can shift and there are things that are happening societally that are going to help that shift happen, right? Now, do you think, okay, so, uh, there's so many ways to go in this. How are your how are you adapting? How's your program adapting to this? I mean, because we can look at like what's happening in Japan and see how that's impacted their market with like the ageism and all of the population, the declining birth rates. Right. How do you feel? What are some opportunities here? I don't think that they should say, oh, since females will be kind of running more money in 2030, which is a bad point, which we've, we've chatted about. Index funds and the safer investment vehicles will be the ones that will be prominent. That's BS in my opinion, right? Those things may rise to the top, but I think let's help them help everyone develop these different business models that work and get that kind of risk assertion within the mindsets. How are you? How's your group helping to do I that? I think a big opportunity that's going to come up is with more women having wealth you know, access to wealth, either because they made it, you know, on Wall Street or by growing their business or they inherited it. Those tend to be the two categories yeah. there. We're seeing a huge rise in women angel investors. Yeah. So that's going to be a game changer because yeah. studies have shown that when women acquire wealth, they do three things with it. They invest in education, their kids and other people's children, too. They yeah. join nonprofit boards and give back to the community and they invest in other women. So we're kind of part of that virtuous cycle that's happening now where we help more women succeed. And even in our own community, we've only been around five years. We have women who built their companies, sold them. You know, one of them, La Voila Beauty, she built that up to a multi-million dollar company, sold it, came back as a mentor, served on our board. Uh, you might even know her, Maria Velasera. She now has a fund. She invests. You, you come across Maria? Anyway, you might, you might run into her at a conference. She's amazing. So I, that what's happening on a macro level sorry, on a micro level in our community, right, where women are succeeding and giving back is happening on a mac macro level in society. And we're seeing a rise of women angel investors and yeah. women VCs as well. There are more and more women VC yeah, funds. Absolutely. 
And, and they look at the and we, we all have a different vantage point as to what we look. I'll look at a deal differently than Anthony. We're both male. And then Clyde, we're both male. We're all, you know, so we'll look at deals. And then you bring this female vantage point, different races, cultures, all of that. So we'll look at these. I, I love the new the boardroom has shifted. I'm in a lot of these types of calls. We're talking about what to invest in next or what's next. Where should we align our resources? The faces in the everyone is changing. And I love it. I love seeing well, the conversation. We agree that women do 85% of the purchasing, right? Yeah. So we should certainly yeah. be in the boardroom deciding, you know, what's going to get purchased. One thing I was shocked to discover is how many of these uh, industries that specifically sell to women are just like 98% male dominated, like fashion and cosmetics. I've experienced yeah. like, why do I see one woman in this room and you guys are talking about cosmetics or, or mainly it was fashion, actually. It was fashion. And in a couple of my meetings, I'm just makes no Right. It's surprising. But that, but that's what is the fact behind these numbers of women starting twice as many businesses as men. Because what we see happening is women get fed up, not being heard, not being, not getting, you know, the, the board seat or whatever. They go start their own companies like mm-hmm. Mented Cosmetics, which happens to be cosmetics for black and brown women started by KJ Miller and her Harvard friend, I can't remember both their names, but she was on our panel at Million Dollar Women's Summit. And they've built that into a multi-million dollar, super successful business when she couldn't get ahead in the cosmetics world. She said, you know, as a black woman, I'm not putting words in her mouth. She talks about that. But, you know, you did remind me of one other woman who we love to tell her story. Can I tell you one more story, Atul? Sure, absolutely. If I say your name right? No, you know we're going to talk. I, don't know. I felt I felt it was very sexist the way you said that, but that's cool. That's, okay. <laughs> Can I tell you one more story, Ethel? Um, yeah. so I was just thinking about Shelly Murdoch, who came to us with a fitness company. She was teaching women how to do pole dance fitness. So you guys might have heard of you know Pilates, bar. Yeah. Another really popular one now is pole dancing. I know it sounds okay. X. Hold your horses, right? I know you're dying to make all kinds of comments. <laughs> Anthony just woke up, but yep. yeah. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Hold Anthony. What? <laughs> I, like I was wide awake. So, I was wide awake. Okay. <laughs> so Jelly was based down in Florida, and she had a very successful pole studio. So she was probably you know teaching a couple hundred women a year, but she came to our class because she was like, you know what? I'm in my high 30s. I don't know if I want to be standing in this studio the rest of my life doing this. Is there some other way? I could deliver this service and through going through our program, which is very focused on how can it be more scalable, she decided to build an app and the app was called fit to flaunt fit number two flaunt. Mm -hmm. And here's the beauty of this story. She launched it two weeks before the shutdown in March. And we talked two months into the quarantine. She told me she made $108,000 in her first three months with that app, people would download the app and she would send them the poll and nice. then teach them at home. And she's like, you know what? I never made $108,000 in one year. She's a black woman based in Florida, first entrepreneur in her family. You know, we love these stories because it's like we're changing the entire history of her family now. What's, what's beautiful about this was the 2008 was an, a he session, they call it, right? Because construction, banking, all of this fell apart, right? And that's how the whole 2020, this is becoming, it's kind of a she session. It's about 3%, 4% more females are unemployed than males right now. That's what's happening, right? And it's because then if the children need to be educated, generally, 
it's by home design. Generally, the female, the mother pulls out and takes care of that portion of it while, you know, and, and we, so we were actually going towards de- a decrease in pay gender, uh, pay disparity, right? And now it's going to amplify again because of what just happened that we're going through. I love the mission that you're on, and this is great. You know, if we can get childcare right for working males, mothers, and fathers, uh, it should be a much more productive society if we can get that going. So we need to make that more equitable for everyone. I'm so glad you brought that up because this also leads to the fact we're going to have a lot more women who are what are called entrepreneurs by necessity, right? So they're not, especially if you add in ages in there, right? Women are in their yeah. 40s, 50s. They may not feel there's that on-ramp back to corporate America. And we have a lot of them coming to us as well where it's like, hey, I'm starting my dream business. You know, Valencia McClure, one of our amazing members of our community, 20 years in corporate America, managed yeah. a multi-million dollar P&L, so sharp. She got breast cancer. Thank God she got over it. Mm-hmm. But she, essential oils was a big part of how she healed herself. So she's like, you know what? Life is too short. She quit. She started this essential oils company. The pandemic had her shift her entire business model. She was in our program. So we helped her move from B to B, which was not happening during the pandemic to B to C. And she now just got named in like the top 50 black women owned businesses. She just made a deal with Talbot's, which is a national retail chain for women. She's Mm. going to be featured in their at home category. Like she's on fire. So, this is, and she's, you know, this is a second career for her, maybe even a third. We're going to see a lot more of that, Athul. Yep, I love it. And that's a lot of the things. 2008, a lot of great businesses came out of that time, as well now. If you can stand out with a great, Clyde and I just had a chat, chat about this last week, about a, a company we're potentially looking at, right? I want the founders to have swag. I don't care if they have all the answers, but if I throw you in a bull pit with a bunch of other people that you have to come out and make them part of your team, I want to know that you're going to do everything and anything to convince them to be a part of your team, or at least you try. You die trying, right? Uh, that's what I want to see in a founder. Just be, have that hustle, have that tenacity. That's what I want to see. So I love that. Anyone listening to this, take that with your business idea, work through the kinks, make sure you actually have an idea, <laughs> and then and then work out all the plausible scenarios. And let's let's chat. I love it. I love that, Athul. And when I used to teach fundraising, I always said, you know, however you pitch to the investor, they're imagining you out recruiting your CFO or trying to make a partnership. Like if you can't convince them, how are you going to convince all these other people to get on board? Yeah. Love it. And Arthur, we had a conversation last week that I thought was interesting about the fact that so much media attention is being paid to the lack of dollars getting invested in women-run companies, and that is such an important topic. But it overshadows the issue that we're focused on at Million Dollar Women. Yes, a lot of our women have great businesses that go get venture funding, but we don't focus on that. We focus on revenue generation because, as you mentioned at the top of this podcast, some 96% of women – they don't even want to raise money. They're not planning on raising money. They are trying to grow their business organically. So there are very few programs that help them get those business skills because so much attention is being paid to, you know, that 4% who are out hustling, trying to get the the investment dollars. Again, super important, more money should be invested. But if Mm -hmm. you look at the whole ecosystem, we got to polish the diamonds in the rough. You know, we see women every day who have amazing businesses and yeah, they didn't get to go to Harvard Business School, right? And they didn't major in economics, but can they learn that in a four month program like ours? Absolutely. And then a highly successful business 
that they can build alongside other high growth women. And with a little help from, you know, a coach like me and some of our mentors, we have a lot of mentors in our community, men, women who've built multimillion dollar businesses and want to pay it forward by helping these women out. Love it. Love it. Clyde, what'd you have? What you got, Clyde? I said, no, I said, that's amazing. That leads me to a follow-up question um, around trends, right? You're, you're speaking with a lot of entrepreneurs uh, who are, you know, pretty much at the ground level making it happen. Are you noticing any trends in the startup space around some of those people that you're coaching, developing? You talked about the mobile app that was launched for the uh, uh, workout pole dancing class. Yeah. And are there any other trends? Because we at the Whiskey Hue, we're all about business tech and culture and talking about startups and what's going on in the world. So if you can share any gems or light around any trends that are in the marketplace, uh, our, our listeners probably would love to hear it. Yeah, with pleasure. I, I think I'm I'm seeing three things in our community. And granted, the people who are drawn to million dollar women may not be completely representative of all the women, but we're seeing that people really care about impact. You know, you read so much about how millennials care about, you know, the impact they're having on the environment and social change. We absolutely see that with our entrepreneurs, that they're building companies that right from the beginning have a goal of making money and also having a social impact. That's one theme. A second theme is everyone's trying to figure out how they're going to integrate AI into their mm. product and platforms and services, right? I mean, in the future, when you get your milk out of the fridge, you know, your your, your list is going to be kept yeah. in the internet and suddenly the milk's going to show up at the door the next day. So we've all got to be thinking ahead about how that's going to be integrated into our own products and services. And the women in our community are focusing on that. And then the third thing I'm seeing is people wanting to create online courses, no big surprise, coming out of the pandemic, where they realize that they don't have that additional revenue stream of uh, recurring Passive, although I hate to use that word because there really is no such thing. There's no, there's no revenue you don't have to work for. You still got to build the program. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it can come in while you're sleeping, which is a nice feeling, right? Mm. But it's not passive. So, but a lot of women are looking now to say, okay, like a PR firm, for instance, says, hey, there are a lot of companies that come to me. They can't afford me. I'm going to create an online course so that the ones who can't afford me, I'll just sell them the online course at a lower dollar. Idea. I love it. I love it. I'm, and we, us three have been talking about doing something similar, and I'm doing that other thing I told you about the series. This, there's a need for it Let's, to educate people because they're not ready for funding, many of them, and don't take funding if you don't need it because it's expensive, right? So let's give them the skill set to push forward, uh, and hopefully they oh, can. I love that. That uh, yeah, that's and also yep. people want to consume content on their own time, right? I grew up yeah. when it was like, oh, you know, this thing's going to be on TV Thursday at 8. You'd reorganize your <laughs> whole schedule to watch yeah. it, right? Yeah. Forget it. You know, my kids are watching anything and everything when they want to watch it. And I think yeah. we have to realize as business owners that our customers feel that way about our content, right? They want yep. to consume when they want to consume it. So I'm sure your entrepreneurs would be thrilled if they could at 2 in the morning drinking their whiskey. <laughs> you guys teaching them how to raise capital yeah absolutely i mean this is amazing and uh, you know we we love these gems and our listeners will probably love love to learn more about um everything that you have to offer so just share with the listeners um uh where they can reach you how they can find you um and any other key information that you want them to walk away with Awesome. Yeah. Well, there, there's three ways to find us. You can go to juliapimsler.com. That's my name, J-U-L-I-A-P-I-M-S-L-E-U-R. 
You could go to scalewithjulia.com, S-C-A-L-E withjulia.com, a little easier to spell and remember. And follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. It's just at Julia Pimsler. And, you know, Athul, what you did getting on the phone with Louisa Mendoza and helping her yes. to think about her, you know, you remember that conversation? Yes, she amazing. I just have to share that she created a company that launched about six months before lockdown that was in at the cross section of sports, travel and entertainment. Uh-huh. Okay. The three <laughs> industries that were shut right. down <laughs> and huge kudos to her and her resilience because she still found a way to keep the company going and building an online platform. And she was the one who had the Jordan gear, right? When she yeah, was like, she came in. That was, I was like, you are speaking to my heart. I love it. And she had a great idea. She it, it was just new. She was just early. She's going to do it. She's just yeah, got good for her. She's but a great background. You did, Athul. There's a real need for that. So if anybody listening is like, hey, I could take an hour a month and like hop on the yeah. phone with a woman who's got a cool business idea and kick the tires and help her think about who she might talk to, you know, that would be a huge give back for our community. And then we also have the Million Dollar Women Fund where we raise funds to give out as scholarships to women of color entrepreneurs since they right. face even higher obstacles in scaling up their business. We just closed out a $65,000 raise. And thank you guys for your contribution. Super grateful Absolutely. for that. And nice. so, you know, thanks a lot. Yeah, I mean, men, women across the country each gave, you know, 100, 250, 500, and we're giving out that money as grants and scholarships to women of color entrepreneurs so they can grow their businesses even in this time where we're seeing up to 40% of Black-owned businesses shut down because of COVID. And we do not want to lose all the gains that we've made as women entrepreneurs over the last two decades. So thanks for helping us out with that. Absolutely. Great mission. We're always open to mentor as well. Like we'll continue that conversation because I'm doing a lot of that anyway. So let's do it. Oh, awesome. We'd love to get some more people in front of you. In fact, someone just emailed me with their information earlier today. And I was like, I'm talking to him tonight. I'm going to put you in touch. (laughs) Absolutely. absolutely. (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. Uh, So so this has been great. And before we close out, we want to talk about our uh, drink of the, of of the episode. So, uh, which is Hendrix, Um, Hendrix gin, uh, we'll let you dive into it, Julia, first, and then we'll share our thoughts on Hendrix during this uh, episode. So, yeah, I was not even a gin and tonic person. Like, gin it was the thing that when I had to bartend in college to pay my way through school, I was making back, you know, for the college reunions. But a couple of years ago, someone introduced me to Hendrix gin and tonic, and so now I'm completely hooked. And what's different about it, it's got this, like, zesty citrus And there's cucumber in there, which is actually pretty pronounced. You can really taste that cucumber. And, you know, there's Mm -hmm. one more ingredient you guys may not know, though. Maybe Athul does because he's a fellow fan. It's (laughs) rose petal jelly. Yes. (laughs) There's a lot of herbs in there, right? That's what gin is. There's herbs in there, right? That's what makes it the distinct. And it has a lot more than the next uh, Bombay Sapphire or the Tangerines of the world. This one just has a lot more herbs in it. And you and I talked about a lemon spice. Talk about that. uh, What you add to it. Oh, yeah. I do the uh, fiber tonic and a lime. And you have something that you put in, right? So, and this is from my cousin, the same one who got me off of Johnny Walker Black Garbage uh, onto real single malt <laughs> scotch, right? He's the name guy. He's going to find sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> so, he's sweetened lime juice. You take a cap of it. It comes in a pl- and, and you just dip it in um, with a splat, with the tonic, good ton- good quality tonic, and the Hendrix and ice cube. 
little lime rolling on top and you're good to go. That's my summer drink. I drink that all day. As I mentioned, though, I'll be very transparent. I went for my run today. It was cold as hell here in this area, New York area. <laughs> so I poured a scotch instead. Um, I pulled my Chicago Koval, of course. And uh, But I always, Hendrix is my go-to. And Anthony knows we were together somewhere in the, in the wintertime and we had, I had gin. He goes, what are you drinking? I'm like, I'm going to have gin. <laughs> I, I love that tonic. So, Hendrix, so, Hendrix is dope. Right, well, well, let's set an intention that by this summer we'll be able to meet up somewhere yeah. and actually have a gin and tonic on like a roof somewhere in New York City, right? Absolutely. Can't wait. Yes. Can't wait. It's funny. So gin and tonic was my first quote unquote intro to the business drink. Right. <laughs> that was in my in my early twenties when you you go out to a networking event, you're talking to clients or you're taking clients out. And someone told me it's like, yeah, you know, I heard people order gin and tonics. I was like, huh. I guess I'm gonna order gin and I had to work my way through the gins to figure out which okay. one. Yeah. So define the good ones. What did you like, Anthony? Well, initially, so I initially thought was the the Bombay. What was Bombay? Bombay <laughs> yeah. right? so, that was, and that's good. Right. So, it's good quality. Like, oh, okay. Well, so here's the thing. In, in my early twenties, it was good quality because it seemed like it cost the most, so therefore I associated that with quality. My palate, as you know, has has taken some time to mature. But Hendrix, <laughs> Hendrix, Hendrix. So it's between for me. It's always been now. It's between Hendrix and and Bombay. So you know mm. that's that's the go to. But you know I'm not gonna. I'm not going to do what you do with Hulu, and I'm not going to trash any other brand because someone might sponsor us one day. So I don't want to. <laughs> Send me a case, convince me otherwise, and I'll be on board with your brand. That's how. That's how we get sponsors, man. Clyde, what do you think? I would. I would have to say Julia did it justice, right? She she dove in the flavors, the aroma, the profiles. Those are all things I typically do, Julia. So I'll just leave it there. It was. It was pretty right, tasty. Well, we and, uh, drinking together. There you <laughs> go. There you go. Same approach. For me, it's just that one big note, though, is the cucumber. I think that's Absolutely. the main difference between this and other gins. It and even then the it out. It does, right? It, it, it makes it a little less harsh. Some gins are like a little harsh, and this is yeah. not. You're like, I, this well drink is not for me. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I like it. It's great. Hendrix is fantastic. So what right, right, you guys, uh, what's the whiskey for the non-connoisseur? Because I told Athul, I was like, I'm not doing your whiskey thing. But if I decided I wanted to come over to your side, what should I start with? Do you, who, who wants to take this or I'll take it? You, you, one of you guys. Okay, okay. So here's the thing. I, and here's the thing. I have a lot of non-whiskey drinkers. I have uh, – I won't even say that – I won't say their names because – It's not called the, – The wife drinks whiskey. The husband drinks wine. Um, okay, so and then so then I he said, hey, they came over once and they tried Koval whiskey. It's a Chicago distillery, yeah. and it's American made. No, but it's just smooth. They said, you know what, you would like this. Gave it to the husband. He liked it. It's smooth because oh. it's it, vanilla flavor. There's a lot of vanilla notes in there. A lot some citrusy vanilla notes in there. Caramel smooth over. I can send you a bottle of this. I, I want to get people onto this. Thank you. Um, okay. It's not, even that, it's not even that expensive. And then like Oban is a good one. Oban. Singleton is a good one. I think. Where, where I are you at? He's agreeing though about it. Like, I, I see some dissent think, in the I, bottom right. I think Talisker is a good intro. It's a good price point. Talisker. They have different. They have different. There are different levels, of course. But I think that's a good. Uh, you know, their early the early years. There's actually some good. They're actually a good price point. And it's a decent one because you don't hear Talisker a lot either. Yeah, another one I'll add to your list if you if you're taking notes is uh, Basil Hayden. Basil Hayden is bourbon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I lean more towards a bourbon uh, for me, so that's America. America. <laughs> 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 what, I, what I recommend. 
Um, I might have to do a whiskey tasting for my women community with all this new information. Oh, so, yeah. You know what I love? The women, the women community around whiskey is blossoming. It's huge. I get, uh, since this thing began, since we started doing this, I get a lot of texts from women. It's like, I love that whiskey. And, and it's not a male, female thing. It's, it's, I love that. It, it's becoming, I love that. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I think I met her once. This, they, there's a founder who started a women in whiskey group, right? Have you ever met her? No, I need to. Wait, we, we need to get her on the podcast. <laughs> I got to go look at her emails. <laughs> I just know a lot of females that drink alone. I'm kidding. They've been hard to go about that. Clark, get older shit before we go off course. Yeah, no, 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 no. So, so, so one of the things we do, Julia, we have a special part of the episode where we talk about uh, what, we, what we call shit you should know. That is essentially anything that you're fi- that you're finding interesting that our listeners should learn and know about. It could be a book, it could be a Netflix series, uh, a company announcement. Uh, you name it, is it's just shit shit you should know. So, um, as a, as our special guest, if you're if you want to kick it off, you can. If you're like Anthony, sometimes you don't prepare and you have to oh, wait until everybody else. Oh, 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 oh! I buy you time, Anthony. Huh? <laughs> Should I buy you some Anthony, time? Well, Anthony's googling I, right I, now. I have one. I have one. Thank you very much. Okay, you go All first. Right, I'll, I'll go, go first. after you. Uh, we're, we're calling your bluff, man. Um, uh, Brittany Rose, founder of Black Girl Math Jick. Not in my honor that you found that. Yeah, she's a Detroit-based entrepreneur. Take that, Clyde. Oh, oh snap! What her goal is to get make sure black girls keep their passion for math. So she's creating a, mm. almost like a box set where people can order um, their a, a, a monthly box set of grade focused, you know, grade level focused math books, where she curates it, oh, it to allow to to make sure black girls stay involved and love math so you know as we're focused on stem she's and math is a huge part she's really focused on that so she's out there really good product she is raising funds getting out there you know increase developing her site and making sure she could uh, ship products on a regular basis so it's called black girl math chick that's a great idea i love that and you know there was a big success in that space the goldie blocks did you guys follow that success story yeah, she raised millions of venture capital. I don't know exactly what happened in the end, but for a long time, that was like the go-to product to help get girls into thinking about engineering with lots of like DIY projects. So that's mm. a well-traveled path. And I hope that black girl math, is that what you called it? Math chick. Black math chick, wishing them massive success. I'm going to check that out. It's like We talked about girls who code from Reshma, similar Julia, you and I were talking about that last week, and that's same thing, STEM. Let's get females into STEM. Let's get all of us into STEM. I think America's falling behind in that regard, so we can remain competitive. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I love it. <laughs> good fun. Good fun. Yeah, I tried to learn the code during the break, and he was like, "Nah, this is boring." So I had to do it with him. <laughs> yeah. So together we took this like Grace Hopper coding program. So now yeah. I know how to code, and he can make fun of me. Amazing. <laughs> so so I'll follow up just because yeah. uh, Anthony. Uh, touched on something that's kind of good with the topic is uh, Apple announces a new project related to a hundred million dollar pledge for racial equity and justice. And they picked Detroit as one of the hubs to kick off. And, and in Detroit with a hundred million dollars, they're going to be investing into the community to, to uh, build a developer school uh, for the community. In addition to that, they're going to be investing in HBCUs, that's uh, where I, you know, I went to HBCU, so it's near and dear to my heart. 
they're also going to be giving $10 million to Har- Harlem Capital, yeah. a VC firm uh, based out of the New York area, so that they can have more opportunities to invest in building businesses that are from the black and brown community. And then they're going to be giving a bunch of money in other places like uh, uh, Vision Impact Fund for um, this Sherbert Williams uh, Shanks. Um, his vision impact fund and a bunch of other things, but I want to shout out Apple and their commitment to uh, racial equity and justice. Not only, you know, like some companies made the pledge to donate, you know, a hundred million dollars, a million, a billion dollars in some cases, but Apple is really making those dollars work community to community uh, causes. That's going to not only help immediately, but also help in developing the community around it and getting jobs in places where it traditionally wouldn't happen like Detroit, Atlanta, and other places that are uh, that just came out in the announcement today. Nice. Okay, Go ahead, Julia. That's, that's great. Wow. Julia, you got something? All right. Yeah, I'm going to do an opportunity, too. So there's a big challenge going on called MIT Solve, which is put on by New Profit, which is a venture fund based out of Boston, the Mortgage Family Foundation, and MIT all teamed up to give out some pretty big grants. I think they're giving out $10 million in total to help solve questions around reimagining pathways to the workplace and how do you help entrepreneurs, which of course we all care about, uh, reimagine their businesses and invest in the future of work for both workers going into corporate, but also for entrepreneurs who create so many jobs in this country. So big shout out to this challenge, which I think you can still apply. It's been open for a little while and uh, you just go to MIT Solve and you can find it. Awesome. I'm going to go. I love that. That's awesome. I'm going to go on my list of seven. Just let me scroll down. I'm kidding. I've got a few, though. I'm going to, first one is going to be a book, Billion Dollar Whale. I've been reading it recently. Joe Lau, if you remember the Malaysian gentleman who is so, kind of a social influencer, worked him into the worked his way into the investment community and conned everyone, fooled everyone from Wall Street, Hollywood, Leonardo DiCaprio, Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan. Goldman Sachs paid a fine on their involvement with him. The MDB, you've heard about the entire scenario. Yeah. The book is phenomenal just because all the people that are highlighted in who, who are involved without knowing they were involved. That's one. So Billion Dollar Whale. Um, Parlor uh, is uh, going to be on Yahoo and AOL because they've been kicked off everything else. <laughs> <Just kidding. Wow. laughs> Sorry, Anthony. It's going to be harder for you to find it. Okay, last wow. one. Last one. <laughs> we so love Julia, you. So, so Kim Kardashian, right? I've, I've given her something, but I, we admire, I admire what that family has done. I'm going to give them that because they are, they've created phenomenal opportunities for themselves and others, right? So I'm going to give her, so I've done, I've taken some nice shots, the K curve, uh, when I discussed the market one time, but I'm going to do this. I think she's going to get into politics at some point, maybe went maybe 10, 20 years from now, she's getting the law degree. And if you listen to Kanye West, she's also dating Van Jones because he's a lawyer from CNN. <laughs> she's doing all these kind of crazy things. But look, at, if you look at what she's done, she's worth almost a billion dollars. Her Cody, the Cody deal got her net worth up to 900 million. It's it, the brand itself is a bit above a billion. The Hulu deal, the family is doing. I, it, it's phenomenal what they're doing, right? The law degree plus her tremendous social influence. Cause as we've seen in the recently, you've got, you've had three, four, so the governors of Minnesota, California at one time, our current president, media personalities, right? Reagan was a media personality. I think someone like a Kim Kardashian could rise, I don't know about president, but could rise to some premier leadership role like that because I think she's, you know, she has kids. Once, once they age a bit, 
she may not want to be doing some of the things she's doing. She might take the Madonna type of role. Let me be motherly versus doing what I was doing before. And she may, may not want – but she's done some amazing things. And I've taken shots at the family, but the, fam- the family's doing some phenomenal things. Put into just one last thing, her Skims deal, right, uh, which Cody got involved with. They sold $2 million in the first few minutes of it launching. Spanx, which is a billion, multi-billion dollar brand, sold $4 million in the first year. So that's her influence. So you, you just got to admire her. Oh. I think that's not crazy. And I don't know if you guys saw this week that Oprah and Ellen DeGeneres teamed up to do this big uh, weight loss thing, Keto You. So I guess Oprah's busy now. She's not going to run for office. She's going to help us all lose 60 pounds. So that wow. was for- <laughs> Amazing, amazing. <laughs> that was a surprise. I did not see that coming. Not yeah, absolutely. Not yeah, Ellen, Ellen and Oprah launched this big weight loss empire, and, and they got like every celebrity, as you can imagine, to give this wow. big test. You know, like I, you know, use this to lose 30 pounds without lifting my pinky. You, you <laughs> wow. I love that analysis, Athul. I think that's spot on. I'm going to give you one more shout out. I know Clash trying to wrap us. So I got to say it, right? So the South Asian community that we grew up in, a lot of immigrants, our parents' generation, they look to the Jewish community to say, how the hell do we make it here? So th- there were a lot of examples that, so I'll just give your, give your community a shout out. A lot of my Jewish friends, I'm like, hey man, how do I do this <laughs> next, right? Because if we're trying we're to get like, that- no, how do we do what you're doing? Because there's a lot of success and wealth in the South Asian community. In fact, one of our most successful grads is Palak, and she and her husband have a highly successful real estate investment business that they brought online after our coaching, and they're now training people to invest in real estate. But these are like folks who just have, you know, $100,000 a year jobs, middle class people yeah. who want to have investments in real estate. So right back at you. But I think our black and brown community can just learn from, hey, let's get involved with politics, media, finance, engineering, and all that to rise to promise so we can control more of the conversation and set the conversation. That's that's what I really want to get out of it. Yeah. So Amazing. kudos to all of us. Amazing. Yeah. Kudos. And, you know, this is this has been this has been a great episode. There's a lot of gems here. Thank you, Julia, so much for joining us on the Whiskey Hue. Uh, hey, I mean, we're all leveling the playing field, right? Yeah, for yeah, all yeah. of the shows. So yeah, we're all absolutely. And it was great to have this time with you guys. Super fun. So this has been the episode of the Whiskey Hue. We want to thank our special guest, Julia Pimsler. You can find her on all platforms. Uh, we'll post it when you do the episode so you can find it in the uh, in the notes. But you can check out, also check out the Whiskey Hue uh, on thewhiskeyhue.com. In addition to that, check us out on all social platforms. And uh, feel free to rate this episode and uh, share it with your friends. Uh, thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.